This is the Rebellious Wellness Over 50 podcast for women over 50 who have a lot of living yet to do, who want to enjoy the ride for as long as they can in good health and with a sense of humor, maybe a little wine. I'm Gregory Ann Cox, and I believe it's time to bust the myth that aging equals decline in every area of life. Nonsense. I would say something else, but I'll keep it clean for now. Aging happens, but it doesn't have to ruin your life. You just need to get a little rebellious in your approach. Welcome back, everybody, to another episode. You know where you are, Rebellious Wellness Over 50. My guest today is Sue Choi of The Coherent Body. We are going to talk about ears and feet and fascia and all kinds of gadgets and why we don't stick with them. A really great conversation up ahead. Sue, welcome. Thank you so much for being here. Thanks for having me, Greg. When you first reached out, you were talking about movement and I thought, what is there to talk about? But then I read your website and I started looking into the things that you recommend. There's so much to talk about in terms of how we move. And you said something interesting before we got on the call about our heads carrying our feet. And I'm thinking, how do our heads carry our feet? So give us first a little background about you, what you do, how you came to be this expert in movement, and then we'll get into some of the gadgets and stuff. Okay, sure. I've been a body worker, a somatic movement teacher for over 20 years. I started with yoga therapy. I did a lot of practices like Feldenkrais and Alexander Technique, but the body work piece called continual movement, that really influenced me a lot. It's like an under layer of understanding that really um, pulls everything together for me. Uh, in terms of body work, uh, I do craniosacral, visceral, myofascial type work, but all of it is in service to how the body organizes in its normal everyday movement, which is standing and walking. Okay. Tell the audience what somatic means. Somatic means that you're feeling as you move. There's a feedback loop. You're paying attention to the feeling, not the performance of a movement. Okay. And hopefully that's not pain that's speaking to you, but just the actual information that your body's giving you as you move. Yes. Mm-hmm. And if it's pain, then there are different ways. You're looking for that non-pain, but there's an experimentation that you go through. And there's a real ownership that happens when you're able to track yourself and train yourself to be familiar with what the signals are. Because we know like, oh, that's a bad pain, that's a good pain. And you start to just increase your vocabulary around that by paying more attention. Mm -hmm. Now, you also stress the importance of hearing and auditory reception in terms of a whole physical well-being kind of thing. And it's not something that most practitioners talk about. And I know it's something that many of us aging people worry about, losing our hearing. What is the significance of hearing loss in any age? In terms of body. Yeah, such a big thing. When you come out of the womb, the auditory system is the only system that's fully formed. You have to learn how to see and control your eyes. You don't have full color perception. You're nearsighted when you're born. You can't obviously can't walk, but you hear. And in fact, the auditory system is fully developed by the third trimester. And Dr. Alfred Tomatis was a French ENT. He was the first one who really kind of delved into that. And without any proof, it was just his intuition, given his 
work with people that the fetus can hear. And he was pretty much laughed out of his community, but he was right on the money. Yeah. So the first thing that develops is the way we create a connection. There's also the touch perception too. So, but hearing is a type of touch. And Dr. Tomas talked about the ear just being a specialized type of skin. Hmm. So if we let ourselves be touched and we figure out how to organize ourselves to be touched by what we hear, by what and, and our own sound production, it's a different experience of how you stand in your own self. Has a lot of implications. And the auditory <laughs> system, the nerve, actually, the auditory nerve has two branches. One goes to the cortex, which is basically like how we're understanding each other, but the other branches down into the vestibular system, which is your balancing system. Mm -hmm. So hearing perception, particularly through the lower frequencies, is deeply linked to how we organize ourselves to balance. Mm. Yeah, I've read that some of what contributes to falling often in elderly people is a loss of their low frequency hearing. Mm, mm, yeah. I mean, you know, there's also eyesight limited. I have read that that's a big factor. Yeah. And you can increase that because that perception happens both at that lower level of just pure passive tone perception. But then there is how do you make sense of the sound? How do you attune? And that's a big one with the auditory system. How do you tune in? So in the landscape of noise, how do you focus in on what you want to hear? And then the other aspect of attention, auditory attention, is when you're paying attention to something, how do you stay connected and drown out what you don't want to hear? So there's a mechanism of dampening the noise through the eardrum that you have control over through how you attend. Mm. So if, if I'm attending to you in a relaxed but connected way, that's a skill. Because sometimes, have you ever been with somebody who's like a little bit too attentive <laughs> and you feel like back off, you need, you know, yeah. a little bit less attention or someone who's looking at everything else, obviously, and scattered attention. There's yeah. this sweet spot of I'm attending to you, but I'm giving you space and I'm holding space for myself. And that's a skill that I believe like a mature nervous system, like past 30 gets because, you know, now we know the central nervous system is not fully developed. That prefrontal cortex is not fully developed until you get into your mid, even to your late twenties. Mm -hmm. Then on top of that, you don't have enough life experience, enough data basically to reference, right? So you go through your thirties and your forties. And, you know, at one point, my husband is an advanced rolfer. And so we talk about business a lot because we work in very similar ways. But I told him at one point, I don't think I'm going to take anyone who's younger than 40. <laughs> because there, there's a depth of insight and just a life lived. I mean, I'm sure your listeners all recognize this and you recognize all those things that you heard in your 20s that you understand now in your 50s and 60s. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. I'm curious. One of the things I hear from people is, Greg, you always say, listen to your body. Well, I don't know when my body's talking to me. Is your work and what you're going to share with us a way of becoming more attuned to listen now that we're talking auditory, to listen to the body? Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. And so you need a, a framework to listen to the body because otherwise it's just 
a bunch of noise coming at you at once. Like, how do you have some sort of structure to understand? And the way I work is through perceiving your upright body, which is basically your vestibular system, but also the balance between all of your your joints and how you are supporting yourself. I also use the auditory and visual system. So how you take in light, how you take in sound, the connection to that environment, that space organizes your head. And so if you practice organizing your head so that your feet support your head, that you can feel that whole support from your feet all the way up to your head. And then you have that additional organizational principle of how do your eyes operate? How do your ears operate to help you find your literal center? And that's just a physiological thing that your body wants to do already. It wants to do that and it wants to do that efficiently, but it can do that in a really gross way because it has to do that. So the better you get at that, the more refined you get at understanding the sensations that come in to your awareness, the easier it is to know if you're on the right track. Hmm. Because if you're going against some sort of abstract concept of energy or something that's not in the language of the body, the body doesn't know what a chakra is. The body doesn't even know what a bicep is. It doesn't understand anatomical terms. So it doesn't know what the psoas is. It's just, those are for our communications. It's not for the communication that you have natively with your body. Your body natively has these, these sensory signals that it sends you, these homeostatic signals that it sends you. There's a neuroanatomist who, who talks about the perception of those interoceptive perceptive signals as being pure homeostatic signals. So the body wants to conserve energy. So it's giving you signs, do this, you can conserve energy. That's the biggest thing that the deepest layer of your body wants to do. So if we can become fluent in this understanding and practice, we should not get as fatigued? Absolutely. There's a lot of heavy lifting that our body does when we're using, let's say, the second string muscles to move us. What's a second string muscle? Well, you know, you want the A-team running the show. (laughs) So if you get connected with the A-team and you link them together, it's like another level and you feel a huge love sense of non-doing, like in that non-doing, that feeling of energy coming up through you is really a question of internal organization, internal proprioception that feels like something's moving you, that feels like there's energy moving through you, which could just be blood flow, or it could be the balance between all the joints. You know, there are a lot of sensations that in, in broad terms, you would call energy, but in specific ways, you can say, oh, this is the, the fascia kind of organizing itself. Like it's finally has enough data point to, to take over and pull you together. Amazing thing to feel. And, you know, I see it in, in the people I work with. They're just like, what is going on? This is great. Why didn't I learn this earlier? That's a comment that I hear a lot. Why didn't I learn this earlier? And it's because we're, I'm trying to movement and touch. And then those two things together give me a lot of insight into the body that if you're just doing touch, you don't understand the movement dynamics as well. If you're just doing movement, you don't understand what happens in the tissue or the fluid body as well. But if you do those two together and you do it not in a 
clinical, I'm going to fix you way, but educational way where you're engaging the person to have the full context so that they can have the insights and they can reproduce what you produce on the table for them. That's always been um, my goal. And it's always kind of informed the way I work with people. Mm -hmm. Okay. So I'm thinking about the spine with this heavy boulder up at the top and those not ever paid attention enough to feet at the bottom holding us up. There's a tendency these days with social phones and screen and people to look down a lot. Is that damaging? I mean, is there something to correct it? I assume it's damaging. It's not great to have your head, your body trying to hold up this weight. What can we do to correct posture? Here's a really, well, I, I have this concept called the three keys, but one of those keys is at the base of the skull. Yeah, show us, please. Yeah, so hold on, let me get, it's easier with the model. So the head's super heavy. So right here, if you think of kind of kinking the head back just at that place, so you're not, you're, you're kinking it back to activate these small little muscles. You're not pulling the chin forward and you're not dropping yourself back, but you're pivoting on it on yourself so that you can get those activated. If you think of that, you will find that your posture changes while you're on the computer. That's a very simple thing. And another simple thing is if you swallow right now and do that a couple of times and feel how your tongue comes up to the roof of your mouth. Mm -hmm. If you let your tongue rest there, let your tongue be wide. That creates a platform of support for the heaviest part of your, your head, which is all of this. And the jaw is this one piece over here. What happens is these masseters, which are the muscles that end up uh, being too tight when you're grinding your teeth, they don't have to hold you up anymore. You're holding yourself up from this deep internal place. Do you feel that? Mm-hmm. I do, actually. So that's another thing. You could just think of swallowing. And, and then let your tongue not, not be contracted up there, but let it be kind of magnetized up there or feel it kind of suck up there and find it's, yeah, that's a really good thing because the, the function of the tongue is another thing that starts to get lost. You don't hear as well. You don't articulate as well because it, it, there's a feedback loop. It's a very underused resource. And then <laughs> when my mom was in the hospital... Oh, no. And she wasn't, she has dentures and she's not using her mouth as well. The occupational therapist had her doing lip and tongue exercises. Interesting. So the other things that I mentioned, the feet, the poor feet. Earlier, you showed me the model of the foot and you were talking about the plantar fascia. The, mm-hmm. I know people get plantar fasciitis. Yes. What is the cause of that? As we age, I know a lot more people complain about that as we get older. Yeah, it's poor use of the lower leg in particular and not getting what they call dorsiflexion right here. So it's not going into that because people are just kind of walking here. And if you look at this, a lot of people think of their ankles, just the hinge joint. Mm -hmm. It's a pivot. If you think of the heel being a teeter-totter, this is the way your foot can move. And because people don't get this part, they don't get this part. Okay. And so that, that arch area gets very stiff uh-huh. because it's not here getting stretched out and it's not here getting domed up. It's not working at its end range potentials. And so that just stiffens up. 
Okay. And if yeah, any of your listeners have uh, polished cement floors, that could be a culprit too. Oh, really? <laughs> oh, yeah. Those fancy modern. Yeah, I would imagine. Mm-hmm. Now, you have on your website a couple of feet massagers. Mm-hmm. One is wooden and it has little balls and I guess you roll across it. And then another one is like little rubber thing. Yeah. And you can stand on that and do a lot of, it, it, it has a density to it. That's nice. Yeah. I, I like those. Those are things if you put them on the floor, maybe not the rolling one, those are better when you're sitting. But if you, I think I have mats on there too, that are textured. Yes. If you put those on the floor, let's say at your bathroom sink or your kitchen sink, you, you get a little massage in your feet. Mm-hmm. And, and that's important, not just for the actual foot you know, cushioning, all that stuff is getting work, but the circulation. Yeah. But ultimately the, the best way is to start to uh, walk better and then your feet start to change because that's what the feet know what to do. It's getting its full exercise when you're managing the weight of your body and moving the weight of your body through the whole of the foot, the way it was designed. You can do spot work by doing that massaging and by having foot massages. I love when they spend time. I always say, just spend more time on my feet. That's what I say too. I say spend my fingers too. I want my, I like my fingers massaged. Yeah, that's nice. So is it true proper walking is heel first, midsection, toes up off the balls of the foot kind of thing? That's a big topic, but (laughs) there's padding in the foot. And if you follow the padding in your foot, then that, that will take you through this. It's not just straight on like that. It we have takes padding here, padding yes. here, padding, padding here. on the side, padding across the ball of the foot, and then the push off. But that you, it's not just like going back to front because right. that's where people um, lose the mobility in the arch because they're just going like that using toes only. It's it's a spin. It's a spin. So we have to remember the outer edge of the foot, not yeah, just these. Yeah, outer edge rolling across the ball of foot into the inner edge as you push off. So there are a lot of other details and how that plays into the hip joint in mm-hmm. particular. Mm-hmm. That's why what I showed you uh, before we started talking, letting the, the shins take your weight will help you get into the foot in a way. It's just a simple heuristic that helps you to, because when you start to micromanage your, your walk, funny things can happen. You know, <laughs> it's funny, you know, you, you develop a bad kind of habit on top of a bad habit when you think you're correcting it and you're producing something that your body doesn't recognize because it, it already knows how to do it. There's a lot of counter rotation that happens in the lower leg and then the upper leg and the upper leg and the hip joint. And, and if you try to micromanage through the foot and do the hip joint the wrong way, then you're not helping yourself. So it sounds like a Western medicine way of managing something, doing one specific part of the body and ignoring the rest of it. I know that's why I hesitate to get too uh, much into the weeds with that because no, it's good that you said what you said though, really, because it does remind me that we're a whole system. We're not just, taking care of our feet or balancing our head where it is. Yeah, exactly. So if you, if you start out with the reference of the whole and you're feeling the whole, what happens is you experience your whole body as one. So when you're doing one movement, you're impacting the whole and it feels 
very, you're in alignment with your body. You're not trying to micromanage it. And it feels very different it mm-hmm. feels like in partnership with your body instead of trying to be top down on it. And that's a very patriarchal Western model. It's like, I'm going to tell you one, two, three, four, five, what to do, because I know. And mm-hmm. that well, I, it, I call that top down versus bottom up. And when you start to work with the sensations, that's a bottom up orientation. You're working with the sensations and you're letting the sensations indicate what needs to happen. And you're giving yourself the buffer, that half beat of a moment to perceive before you do. Mm. You can make that feedback loop of perceiving and doing and perceiving and doing, and it's a fine tuning. Otherwise, if you're just doing, doing, doing without the perceiving, you're going over here and you're meant to go over there. And you're heading maybe into a painful situation or a dislocation or a strain rather than if you took that pause, that beat. Yeah, yeah, Yeah. totally. And I see all the time with any modality, when you have a modality and you're doing it for the doing and you're not feeling and making those adjustments, then that's why people come see me, right? Because they have some sort of issue. I've been doing yoga and Pilates and, you know, they do all these things and their body's a mess. Yeah. Do you find, we talked earlier also about techie things that we can use to hack our lives, our bodies, whatever, Mm. that the, um, we get tired of them after about six months. Some people are just dedicated. They're going to do something every day. Would you say that you need to find a way like to fall in love. Cause what you're talking about is yes. sounds to me like it takes a consistent amount of commitment to begin to even learn to understand the system of the body in a different way than maybe Western, which is we get up, we brush, we walk, we walk the dog, we drink our coffee, right? There's not a lot of thought unless somebody takes time to do a morning practice or something. Is it possible to really just fall in love with this because we feel so different? Yeah. Oh, absolutely. And the way I work is I want you to feel it right away. I don't want you to just cross your fingers and say in six months, it's going to work. No, because that's what keeps you doing more of it because you need that constant feedback loop. Otherwise, the the body doesn't wait six months to tell you something. It's been telling you something. It's just, you know, after those six months, maybe you finally hear it. But the more skilled you get at listening the less efforted is you're not meant to micromanage your body. It's just your body, the subcortical system, not the part that we're talking with, but the, right. the, the other part is fast. And that's why people get locked into trauma patterns that have been kind of shoved down into their subconscious because the body is just responding like that. And if you understand how to give it space, if you understand how to build the trust from that felt space, then you can let things drop into the body. And that's ultimately what we all need. We don't need to be using this cortex to deal with something that we do all day long. You have to learn it a little bit, but it can be a lot faster than, you know, 20 years sitting in a cave and meditating. And that's why I I work with upright and walking because you're doing it all day long. This is where a lot of the the stuck places will happen in communication with other people, particularly family. Mm. Uh, All those things will come up when you're in the world, not necessarily isolated on your own. Although, you know, that comes up too, but it's kind of, this is for me, dynamic walking meditation that 
is I think just is so powerful and more Mm -hmm. practical in terms of, you know, what do you need right now today? uh, What makes your life better quickly? And that's, Mm -hmm. you know, what I try to teach. I would encourage people that are listening. This is a common thing uh, I've noticed from working with women over a certain age. We expect that something's going to hurt. And so when it does, it's okay. And we get used to having something hurt. Oh, maybe it's a lower back. It's a hip. It's an elbow. It's a, well, I play tennis, you know, and we just don't think about going to get something. I'm going to say different. Your kind of work is not common for many people. They might yeah. go to the doctor and, you know, hope to get some recommendation for physical therapy or surgery, or they just learn to live with things. And I'm hearing that we don't have to live with start, things that are out of alignment. Yeah, absolutely. Because that, uh, I had someone come to me and I've been working with him for a while, but I think at the time he was 43 or something. He said, I guess I'm just getting old. Yeah, and I'm like, oh, no way, no way. (laughs) And you know, the the result of his physical therapy and doctors was, okay, that's just going to happen. You're going to be on your back for a week, maybe two or three times a year, and take these pills. Oh gosh, that was where he dropped off the allopathic system. He tried everything, and I said, oh no, I'm going to give you exercises. Not that you're going to do like ten of these three times a day, like the PT world. These will expire these have an expiration date, uh-huh. you will internalize it and then you won't have to do it anymore because I don't want to give people a, another to-do list. We all have right. enough of those. And so it just is it's fun. I mean, it's just fun to discover how playful you could be in your body again, uh, how much new insight you can have that is is kind of like discovery 2.0. Like when you stand, it's a big neurological event. And you see kids and they're just like, wow, and they're experimenting and running around and having fun. And, and now that we're, we have a second chance to revisit that because most people never revisit unless they have to do rehab or something, but right. to, to revisit it with that database of life experience with a fully cooked nervous system with a different perspective is pretty amazing. That sounds like it. Now, can people work with you virtually or do they have to come see you in person? Oh, no. I have online work. And in fact, what I found was the online programs are powerful because people bring themselves differently to online work. When they come into my space, you know, they're expecting me to touch them. They're expecting me to tell them how to move. And there's sometimes like, am I doing it right type feeling? Hmm. I found and it was surprising to me how much better it worked online. Oh, that's interesting. It works really great. And particularly the interaction when people share something happens because we're all coming together from this deliberate embodied space and insights and changes are are lighting up all over the place. It's fun. It's really I agree. I love small groups when I work with people. And now, of course, Zoom is, you know, a thing in the old days we were on the phone, but there is so much give and take and energetic awakenings and you know yeah i agree so the name of your website is coherentbody.com coherentbody.com do you have any do you run classes on a regular basis or are they just every once in a while i have a membership group and we meet four times a week and you don't have to come to all of them but all the classes serve a different purpose and then you have access to all the recordings Mm -hmm. but prior to coming into the membership because there are a lot of techniques that I have to explain and lay out because it's different. I have a program called the Unbound Posture where people 
learn all of the fundamentals in two months and then they get a month of membership so they can practice and see what it's like and then afterwards if they want to join membership they can but coming through that program kind of buffers the people who have been there for a while and we can just continue because we're exploring the vision and the auditory system on a different level now do they need anything special equipment oh no no, there is a Tomatis device that I'll, I'll be working specifically with that for people who have that. But for the Unbound Posture program, no, not at all. Okay. Yeah. Bring what we got, our bodies, our awareness, and our fully formed nervous system and brain. <laughs> yeah, exactly. This has been great. I would recommend anybody who's feeling like this is how it's going to be, but you're not happy with your body, uncomfortable or in pain, find somebody. So it was a, and a great example of a simple, non-techie, no equipment necessary resolution and maybe greater awareness, greater. I'm thinking that if we are aligned, we can perceive here or emotionally, energetically, other things we might miss because we're not, we're not focused on that thing. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. Anything you want to leave our guests with today? Yeah, if you just carry your head differently. That one takeaway, just carry that your head differently. Pivot. Yeah, just that little pivot will really help your shoulders and back. And I have a lot of free offerings. If you go to my website, you could sign up for. So Okay, great. Great. Good to know. Thank you so much for your time. I really appreciate it. It was really good information. Peeps, I will be back next week with another fabulous guest. Be well till then. Hey everybody, I have a favor to ask. If you enjoyed this episode or any of the other episodes that you listen to, please leave a review on your favorite site for listening to podcasts. You can also leave a comment on my website where you'll find the podcast at the podcast tab or under any of the guest podcast episode pages. Thanks. It means a lot to me and I appreciate you. Be well till next time.